We bless your holy name. Because in you, through you, by you, and with you, you have made us to be what we are today. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of the Lord. Thank you for your grace that you have made available unto us. Thank you for your word that you send unto us this morning. We pray as we go into your word, you open our ears, open our eyes, speak to us, and open our understanding to lay aside for us a treasure that you have prepared by yourself. Thank you, mighty God, for it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. While you're still standing, turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke in chapter 15. We'll begin reading from verse 14. It's a story that you all know very well. It's also known as the story of the prodigal son. And this story has been preached in many ways. It's the story of a young man who went to his father before his father was dead, while he was alive, and said, give me a portion of my inheritance so that I can go. He was the younger son. And the father divided three, divided his possessions, his houses, investment, money, cars, divided them into three and gave that young man one third and said, here you go. There's so many things that are wrong with that story. You don't get an inheritance until the person from whom you are inheriting is dead. But he was taking an inheritance from the man while he was still alive. In other words, he was sent sentencing his father to an early grave. I don't care whether you live or not. I don't care what happens to you. I just care about myself. You know, some of us, and some people, they only listen to that story about me, myself, and I, and God does not operate that way. He told his dad, he said, this is what I want to do. And you know, sometimes you are in the permissive will of God, where he allows you to do some things, knowing that at the end of the day, whatever it is he wants you to do will still come to pass. And so the father left him alone to go. And he went. The story went, spent all his money. By the time he finished, he was now doing things that no rational human being should be doing. He was not eating food of people. He was now eating food that was meant for pigs. What makes it worse is not that he was eating pig food. No Jew who was self, any, any self-pride, will touch a pig. They did not eat pork. They did not eat anything that had two hooves. So if he descended so low that not only did he touch them, he became like them. He was eating their food. He became one of them. Until, in verse 14, and we will pick up the story from verse 14 here. So let's read it together from verse 14. We will read it down to verse 17. And then we will stop this morning. So if you are there, let's go. One, two, go. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. 
and he began to be in want. Verse 15, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields, into the fields to feed pigs. In verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the food that the pigs ate, but no one would even give him pig food. In verse 17, the Bible says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish and go with hunger. Verse 18, we will stop here. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy, and so on and so forth. And this morning I want to thank the Almighty God. I thank you for your word today. Speak to us by yourself. Open our ears, open our eyes. Send your word, which brings light. Send your word, which brings life. Send your word with deliverance. And help us along in the journey of life that you have chosen for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, take your seat. Take your seat right quickly. You see, one of the problems with that young man was not that he wanted money. It was not, that, it was not a money issue for him. It was a control issue. He wanted to control his destiny. He wanted to take charge of himself. But he was not doing it the right way. This morning, I want to take a few lessons from this man. Wherever we get to, we'll pick it up later on. You see, when you break ranks, and that's what he did, you are subject to attack from all sides. When you break ranks from your team, your team will turn their backs on you. And the opposition will also look at you funny. Then you become alone. You cannot break ranks from where God has established you to be. Do I hear amen? When you read 1 Samuel chapter 21, the Bible says David, he ran away from his people. He ran to Akish. Even Akish would not take him because he said to himself, you are just hiding, you are playing games. Very soon, you are going to turn around on us. But the key verse that I'm going to there was that he said in verse 17, it says, but when he came to himself. And I just keep on wondering, marveling at that. What does it mean to come to yourself? How did he come to himself? What did he see that made him come to himself? Who spoke to him that made him come to himself? What kind of hunger was he feeling that made him come? What does it mean to come to yourself? Because he began to talk to himself. He was between a rock and a hard place. He was between the devil and the deep blue sea. He was in a no-win situation, as they describe it. There are many adjectives you can use. But he was in a place where he could not go where he was. I was going to play a song for you this morning. Maybe we'll play it in the second service. This is not one of those places where you sing the song, Ki sera sera. That's not what you do at this point in time. Curiously, I went online to YouTube yesterday and I was playing the song. Ki sera, sera. 
Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Kisera, sera. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That Kisera, sera. Where you are today, let me see someone among you today. You can lift up your hands and tell me truthfully that where you are today is your dream position. Let me see your hands so we can pray for a liar. There's nobody like that. Where, no matter what you have accomplished, when they say if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's another lie from the devil. If it's not broke, break it and make it better. Because there's always another level that you can go to. Many of us are in situations today that we did not bring upon ourselves willingly or deliberately, but it will be something that you have done maybe because of the habits that you are keeping, the friends that you have, the different things that you do. Today, I want to talk to you from a subject I have titled, Are You Aware of Where You Are? Are you aware? You see, change your cause, number one, change your cause from inside. Until a man changes his mind, until it changes inside of him, nothing about him will change. You can change your clothes. You can change your car. You can change your house. You can change your job. You can change what you eat. But until what is in between your ears change, nothing about you will change. Do I hear amen? Nothing will change. Proverbs in chapter 23, verse 7. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart. He said, so is he. So I wish we could get a projector screen today to play what is in the heart of many of us. If you get a million dollars today, and your perspective, your mind, and your, the way you think does not change, you will quickly get broke. Mike Tyson, I love the guy. Accomplished boxer. Youngest heavyweight champion in the world. He knocked out everybody quickly. He knocked out more people in the first round than any other boxer till this time we're talking. At some point in time, he got to his head. He lost his mind. Can you believe that today Mike Tyson is a debtor, millionaire debtor, and has nothing to show for the multiple millions that he made when he was less than 21? Alan Iverson, my daughter loves him. Bad boy basketballer. He made as much money as a lot of other people, but he did all the wrong things, and he chose all the wrong things to do. Today, you have to be aware. Today, I want to talk to you about the steps into awareness. Let me talk about the steps into awareness, because you cannot change anything until what's in between your ears change. That's number one. Number two, you can't change anybody. You can only change yourself. Whatever it is that you see me doing or saying, you can't change me. You can't change your husband. You can't change your wife. You can't change your child. You can't change. I, I talked to one of my boys continuously. I said, you like where you are. No matter what we say, no matter what you say to him, until the change comes in between his ears, until her ears, it will not change. Awareness is a key. It's almost like coming awake that says, I have been sleeping and all of a sudden I am awake. Let me tell you about the steps into awareness today. You see, there's something called the Conscious Competence Learning Model. It's a big name that psychologists use, but I will break it down for you very simply. It's the Conscious Competence Learning Model. You see, it simply starts like this. And it says that ignorance is personal. 
but it is not private. There are many things that you don't know. Your ignorance is personal. But as soon as you step outside your house, your ignorance will become a matter of public knowledge. So you get people that are embarrassed because of their ignorance. Your ignorance is personal, but it is not private. Number one. Number two is this. There are four stages that they call in learning. Stage number one, I will just tell you, then we'll come back and explain it. Stage number one is what is described as the unconscious incompetent. You don't know what you don't know. Number two is the one they call the conscious incompetent. You know the things that you don't know. Number three is what they call the conscious competent. You know what you don't know, and now you know how to work on them a little bit. And then number four is the unconscious competent. You're not even aware that you're competent again. Let me use an example of driving a car. If you go back to where I originally grew up, there are several people there that do not own cars or automobiles. It doesn't bother them whether they have a car or not. It doesn't make a difference to them whether they have a car or not because they don't need one. So they live their lives never knowing, never understanding that they do not have a car and it doesn't bother them one way or the other. Those people, there's no journey to awareness that you can ever talk to them about. It makes no sense to them because they don't need what they don't need. Then you have the second group where they call the conscious incompetent. You now know that you don't have a car. You see people who are driving cars around you. You know you don't have a car. You know you need a car. But you are now aware that you don't have a car, so you push ahead to try and get yourself into a car. So now you are aware of your circumstances. Now you have a car, but you also know you don't know how to drive. So you are consciously incompetent. Then you go to the third step, where you are now competent in a conscious manner. And you are driving along the road. You obey all the rules. You hold the steering wheel properly. You come to a complete halt when you get to a stop sign. You use all the turn signals. And if anybody shouts at you, who, when you are driving, you jump. Because you are consciously being competent. But after a while, you know how to drive very well. And so you now whip along the way and you don't care. You're not paying real too much attention to what is going on. And all of a sudden, that's when you see ladies and they're driving. And their makeup is going. I've seen some people have meals when they are at the wheels of their car. Dangerous. They have meals on their laps. Everything that they eat comes through the window. It's called drive-through. You go through, everything comes in through the window, and you are driving on along now. Now you are consciously you are driving. You are no longer paying attention to what you are doing while you are driving. You are now driving as a subconscious effort. You go through these steps and these stages in life to come to a point where you are conscious. So you go from not knowing what you don't know to not even understanding or knowing what you can do. Along that path, there are four steps. And we're only talking about one today. is awareness. If you're aware of what you don't know, and then you develop your skills as you go on along, and you make the right choices, number three, it will help you to increase your potential, number four. Today, we're only talking about number one, awareness. 
You see, that his brother, the older, bo the older brother, who was there, the older brother was angry because the boy came back home. And when he came back home, his father went and brought a big cow, fatted calf, and killed the cow. And the boy was angry and said, I have been here with you all along. You didn't give me a cow. You didn't entertain me. You didn't host me. You didn't make things happen for me. But when this, your son, came back, you threw a red party for him. You see, what that brother did not know and what he should have understood was he now owned his younger brother. Let me explain that to you. His younger brother had already taken his own portion of the inheritance. So the one-third that his brother took, he had taken away. The remaining two-thirds was his own. So when that boy came back and became a part of that family again, he was now a complete possession of the older brother. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he understood that and he knew and he was aware that anything that they did for that boy was to make him bigger and better, he would not have had a problem with the younger brother coming home. Do, you, do, you, do I hear you this morning? Because when that boy came home, he has all the skills of the older brother. He will make the older brother richer. He will make the older brother better. He will bring all sorts of skills to the table. All the older brother had to come to a, an understanding and an awareness is that I now own you. If he understood that, there will be no issue. Help me ask your neighbor, are you aware of who you are? Are you aware of who you are? You see, let me tell you a story about myself this morning. My continue down the road later on. When I became the first time I pastored a church, I had the impression in my mind that a pastor had to be someone who cares and counsels and spends a lot of time with all the people and will be there when they're crying, will be there when they're doing all sorts of things. And that is one of the roles of a pastor. But that is not all that a pastor does. And then I read several books by this man called Nelson Sachi. Aside from my pastor, he has made a significant impact on me. And I encourage you to read wide. If you've never heard of that magazine called Wide, it's very interesting. I'm playing on words. Nelson Sachi has written many books. By way of introduction, he was a pastor at Rick Warren's church, Saddleback. He was the founding pastor of the chosen, what's that thing called now? The community that they had for the, um, what's that book that Rick Warren wrote? Purpose Driven Church. He was the director of the Purpose Driven Community. He left Rick Warren's church and went to start up a church in New York called The Journey. In 10 years, that church has grown to 14,000 members. Now, you may not agree with his methods, or you may not agree with everything that he says or does, but you cannot argue with the results. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he could not be lying to so many people consistently in order that can make the church. So they went from one location to two locations. Then they opened another one in Florida. The church continues to grow. And I began to look at what he was doing and how is he succeeding. Then I turned around and right here in our neighborhood, Bill Winston, living word. I looked at him. I'm not jealous of him, but I'm aware of what he's doing. Whether you like him or not, you can't argue with the results. 
So you look at what he was doing and what did I learn from both of them? One thing I learned from both of them is that they said that they are not shepherds, but they are ranchers. What's the difference between being a shepherd and being a rancher? A rancher has everything and does everything that a shepherd does. He counsels just like a, a regular pastor counsels. But you see, when you are counseling people, you are counseling them on their weaknesses. A shepherd counsels and is trying to help you get out of your weaknesses. But on the other hand, the shepherd, the, the rancher, equips. And he doesn't talk to the people's weaknesses, he talks to their strengths. He looks at each person and what their strength is. And Bill Winston said, he said, I do all the things that regular pastors do. I do everything. I spend time with them. I teach them. I counsel them. I work with them. He said, but I don't teach them from weakness. I teach them from strength. He said, I teach them to go and look at themselves in the mirror and look at where are the things that they are strong at. He says, your weaknesses will always be there. He said, if you focus on the things that you are weak at, then you would not have enough time to focus and develop the things at which you are strong. He says, don't, I'm not saying ignore them, but I'm just saying, in your priority list, make your strength be number one and make your weaknesses be number two so that you can grow in them as you go on along. Do I hear an amen today? But change your focus from weakness to changing your focus onto that. Let me ask you a question today as I begin to stop. Do you know what's limiting you from getting to your full potential today. Do you know what your limitation is? Because if you don't know it, how do you address it? What stage of the race of life are you in? I read the story that my pastor told us many years ago, a young man who went fishing. And as he was fishing, he was throwing his rod into the river and pulling out fish, throwing his rod in and pulling out fish. At some point in time, he pulled out a fish that was a whopper. And he said, I hailed him. Say, whoa, you just caught a very big fish. And the young man said, yeah, right, sure. I, I got a big one. And he unhooked the fish and threw it right back in the water. And he said, why did you do that? That's a good fish to have caught. And the man said, yeah, I know. He said, but the problem is that my frying pan is only nine inches long. The fish is about one foot long. So if I take that fish home, I would not have anything to do with it because it's bigger than my frying pan. Many of us are like that in life. Opportunity has come to us and to you. But you are looking at it from what you have now and not what you can grow into. Until you become aware of the potential that is inside of you, you will continue to miss many opportunities. Opportunity comes to those that are prepared. Help me tap your neighbor. Are you ready? Tap them, are you ready? Don't worry. Ask them, are you ready? One of the ironies of life is that when you want something done, you want something done quickly, you give it to somebody who is busy. Have you noticed that? When you want something done, you go and look for someone who is busy and you give it to them. The first thing that person will tell you is, I don't have time. But when they accept to do it, in their busyness and in their getting other things done, they will do it along because they don't have time to hold on to it and be dancing with it. That's the reason why people who are not busy are not busy. 
People who are not busy, there's a reason why they are not busy. It's because the things that are in their hands to do, they don't get done. And they, and they always postpone, postpone, postpone. And I will do it tomorrow. Miyana, miyana, miyana. I will do it. Lola, lola. I will do it again. Sometime forever. And things that need to get done will not get done. Procrastination is the thief of time. Before you know what's happening, it's daybreak. And then you are now looking at yourself. What happened to time? Nothing happened to time. It's just that in your business, you have to get busy. Tell someone, in your business, you have to get busy. You have to get busy. You have to get busy. And there are many things that will keep you from being there. Let me stop this morning. And we'll talk a lot about this in the second service. Is that what is it that keeps people from accomplishing their potentials? One of the biggest things that touches people and prevents them from accomplishing their, their potential is what we just talked about, is perfectionism. You want everything to be exactly right. If it's not yet done and all the T's are not crossed, all the I's are not marked, you said then you cannot feel like you should need forward. You need to go ahead in whatever it is that you are doing. As I close this morning, where is my friend here? As I close this morning, I want you to understand that you can remove the caps on whatever limitation is on your life. You can remove the cap. You can remove the cap. I don't care where it is that is limiting you now. You can remove that cap. When you look at how they train elephants in India, they take the elephants from when they are young and then they tie them to a tree or a stake that is very strongly put into the ground. And no matter how hard the elephant tries, it cannot break its leg from that yoke or that chain that was tied to its feet. As the elephant grows up, it becomes a huge animal that that chain if the elephant ever tried, will not be able to hold that chain down, that elephant down. But now, the irony of it is that they no longer use a chain for the elephant. They use a simple rope. A very simple rope. Flimsy. That only moving would break the rope from the leg of the elephant. A 2,000 ton being held by a small rope that would not hold a child. Since the elephant was young, it has been conditioned to know, think, understand, feel, believe, perceive, choose your adjective, that once there's something tied on its leg and it's tied to a stake, that means no movement. And many of us are like that elephant. That something that tied us down in the past is still holding us down today. That even though you have the capacity, the potential, the strength, the ability, and the power to break free, whatever it is, is still holding you down. I want to thank God, and I will not talk about Dr. Solomon again after today. I want to thank God for the story of his life. This elephant learned how to break that chain. This elephant 
learned in life that whatever mistake you made yesterday is not possible to hold you again today. The only reason why it will hold you back is if you have not forgiven yourself. Many of us, God has forgiven us, but you have not forgiven yourself. Many of us are looking at what things we did yesterday and why it is still holding us back from tomorrow. Help you tap your neighbor and tell them, release yourself. Release yourself. Some things that someone has said that hurt you many moons ago. It's still a problem today because every time that you look at it, pain swells up inside your heart. It is just human to be hurt. It is okay to feel hurt, but it is not okay to remain hurt. Why? Hurting people, they hurt others. Let me say that again. There is something called the lens, L-E-N-S principle. The lens principle simply says that you will see other people through the mirror and through the lens that you see yourself. If you cannot see yourself forgiving this person, then you cannot see that person forgiving you. And so you tend to look at other people the way that you look at things and looking at it through the lens of life. But the things you can deal with have no bearing on the things that I can deal with. I can handle all sorts of things. My brother and I, when we were growing up, we would fight and fight and fight. Usually over girls. We would fight over something that was irrelevant. Over food. We would argue with ourselves and fight about who was going out. Usually over clothes. And when we left, my mom would think that we were going to fight and finish the fight when we got outside. But my brother would just come and say, Wale, so what are we going to eat when we go outside? Done. He would just come here and say, so Wale, which one of those rooms are we going to go into first? Done. Can you let go of where you've been? Ask your neighbor, can you let go? That's my story to you this morning. When you are aware of what is holding you back, it will be easy for you to move forward in life. Stand up on your feet. And Father, everyone who is looking unto you for a touch this morning, I pray that you will touch each and every one of us and let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened to know and to see what you have in store for us. That at the end of the day, your name will be glorified and your church will be edified. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. amen. Say a better amen this morning. Amen.